0: Book 4 Chapter 5 of The Heavenly Twins This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Asher, MTSG.TV The Heavenly Twins by Sarah G. Chapter 5 The Moon Had Grown Old but the nights were still scented by the lime-trees when the tenor met the boy again he had begun to believe that the boy did not live in morning quest and as often happens he was thinking of him less than usual on this particular occasion and hence he came upon him unawares the boy was lolling against the iron railings that enclosed the grassy space round which the old lime-trees grew in the middle of one arm of the glaves it was a bright clear night but chilly and he was wrapped in a green coat which lent a little substance to his slender figure the tenor would have passed him without recognizing him but for his sandy hair which shone out palely against the bark of one of the trees i was waiting for you the boy said why are you so late to-night how do you know i am later than usual to-night he asked Because generally you come out about ten o'clock, and it is nearly twelve now. How do you happen to know I generally come out about ten o'clock? Oh, the boy answered coolly. I watched you. I've been studying your habits in order to find out what manner of man you are, and I think you'll do, he added patronizingly with a wise shake of his head. I guess you were looking for me too, weren't you? the tenor smiled again and lifting his hat brushed his hand back over his hair what makes you think so he asked i am accustomed to that sort of thing the boy replied with a twinkle in his eyes people who meet me once try as a rule to cultivate my acquaintance with which he raised himself from his lolling posture and added i'll walk up and down with you if you like but you must give me your arm i require support why are you tired what have you been doing today? the tenor asked as he acquiesced smiling in his grave way for the boy pleased him oh well considering i got up this morning that was a serious business it was with emphasis for i had to settle a serious question before i arose i had to make up my mind about free will and predestination if i could believe in predestination i thought i might have breakfast in bed without self-reproach but if it were a matter of free will i felt i should be obliged to get up and how did you settle it the tenor asked i didn't settle it the boy replied for just as i was coming to a conclusion the breakfast bell rang and the force of habit compelled me to jump out of bed in a hurry i don't call that free will and i think on the hill predestination had the best of it perhaps For my breakfast was sent up to me, after all, without any action on my part, and I partook of it in the silence and solitude of my own chamber, with an easy conscience and the luxuries of an open window and a book. I suppose you can do that every day, if you like. You have no one to interfere with you. I have no one to interfere with me, the tenor repeated, thoughtfully. Perhaps it would be better for me if I had. By better, you mean happier the boy responded clasping both hands round the tenor's arm the latter looked down at him wondering a little but not displeased they were waiting in the shadow of the houses just then and could see each other's faces but the tenor's heart warmed more and more to the curious boy and he pressed the hand that rested on his arm a little closer it was a long time since the grave large-hearted earnest man had known anyone so young and spontaneous or felt a touch of human sympathy and in both he found refreshment or something of that something which he knew he needed but could not name they took a turn up and down in silence and then the boy began again boyishly i say do you suffer from nerves you made rather a bungle of it the other day didn't you you mean when i broke down in that anthem Were you there? Where did you sit? With the distinguished strangers, of course. I did not see you. Do you look behind you? No, but are you a stranger here? Well, not exactly, said the boy, with a great affectation of candor. They had passed out into the open now, and the tenor could see the boy's face. He had glanced at him as we do at the person we speak to but something he saw arrested his glance and caused him to look again keenly and closely to something that had perplexed him before. The boy returned his gaze, smiling and unabashed. She put you out, didn't she? he asked with a grin. Verily, she hath eyes at least. I've been told so, but I'm no judge of such things myself. The puzzled look passed from the tenor's face. I know what it is, he said. "'You're exactly like her,' the boy laughed, and then to keep it a secret I was going to make a mystery of myself,' he said. "'But faculties like yours are not to be baffled, and since you have observed so much, I might as well confess that there are two of us—twins. They call us the Heavenly Twins.' "'What signs of the Zodiac?' said the tenor. "'No signs of the time,' said the boy.' there was a little pause and then the tenor observed i should hardly have thought you were twins except for the likeness your sister looks elder than you do well you see she is so much more depraved said the boy and her lovely name is angelica excuse me i must laugh he slipped his hand from the tenor's arm, leaned his back against a railing, and exploded. "'Excuse me,' he repeated. "'When he could contain himself, I have suffered from this affliction all my life. I can't help laughing.' "So it seems,' said the tenor. "'May I ask what provoked this last attack of your malady?' Before he could answer, they were accosted by a respectable-looking man, a small farmer from a distance probably. was making the most of a rare opportunity by trying to see as much as he could of the cathedral in the dark i beg your pardon sir he said the boy was all gravity in a moment but could you tell me what flying buttresses are a sign of rain said the boy whereupon the tenor seized him by the scruff of the neck and shook him incontinently for a moment after he was released the boy seemed to be overcome by astonishment but this was rapidly succeeded by an attack of the malady he had declared to be congenital apparently brought on by the shock of the chastisement and the tenor who had walked on a little way with the countryman answering his questions left him laughing all over he waited leaning against the railing until the tenor returned you little wretch the latter began that's right didn't make a stranger of me the boy interrupted Treat me like a younger brother. You make me feel like I have succeeded in establishing confidential relations between us, which is what I want. The tenor was about to reply, but his voice was drowned by a sudden clangor of the bells above them. The clock struck, the chime rang, and while they waited listening, the tenor raised his hat. They were standing at the corner of the cloisters looking up to the clock tower and its tapering spire which surmounted the Norman façade and entrance to the south transept. ''I must go,'' the boy said, when he could hear himself speak. ''Will you not come in to my house? I am afraid I am very wanting in hospitality,'' the tenor exclaimed. ''I should have asked you before. I live close by. I should be so glad.'' ''Not tonight,'' the boy interrupted hastily. ''Another time. Good-bye.'' End of chapter 5 recording by usher